love swiping on Tinder, go swipe through our TikToks at Zach Sang Show. Yeah, good energy in the room tonight. I can feel a jet, Jordan. Yeah, woo-hoo. What the fuck was that? It's a jet revving up our engine. Oh, hi, Dan. How are you? Good. Hi, Carlos. Hi, Cameron. Hello. Hi, Jordan. Hi. Hi, Sam. Kelsey's not here right now. Why? Because she's getting us cheese sticks. Kelsey! And a big hello to you, beautiful human. The phone lines are totally open. You can use the AMP app to get in touch. All you gotta do is, like, tap a few times, and you can use it, like, as a phone line. Beep, beep, beep. And the chat room is definitely up and running. So get in touch. Who's going to be on the show tonight? I'll tell you. Charlotte Corden. Charlotte Carden. Charlotte Carden. Corden. James Corden. <laughs> no, nah, she's a cool Canadian. And she's an incredible artist. She's going to be in studio. She has a brand new album out. Dan's very excited about it. Yeah, I like her. She's dope. <laughs> dope with a capital D. Mm-hmm. And uh, tomorrow on the show, Adina Menzel's going to be here. Hey, right, Adina. <laughs> you okay yeah i'm doing great you know i i've been navigating a situation where uh i i just like let somebody get away with a lie like i just like played along with 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 this and i it just happened to me like minutes ago somebody was here and they swore that they knew me or had met me and they start like talking to me like it's so good to see you again the last time i saw mm-hmm. you was at apple I was with this artist and watching you do that interview with them was so powerful and amazing. Loved seeing you on beats. And I'm, I'm just letting this guy talk and I, I'm starting to connect some dots. Like Apple, I don't work for Apple music. <laughs> Bro, you're at Amazon music. Right. Uh, I, I don't, I don't work for beats. I work for amp. Bro, you're at amp. I've never met you before, and I don't know any of the other other artists that you work with. I'm just letting him go, and I'm just agreeing with him. And as he's just talking to me about this experience, <laughs> and he's like talking about like, oh, it's weird. Your voice sounds a little different. I, I start connecting dots. This guy thinks I'm Zane Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Things that I'm saying. The question is, did you just go with it? Yes. <laughs> I love that. I, I, because I didn't, I couldn't believe it. That's, that's never happened before in my life. Zane, you're amazing. You're incredible. I don't sound like you. I don't look like you. If anything, maybe we, I think we work in the same neighborhood. That's, that's the closest that we, 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 we have, have in common outside of what we do as human beings. But I, I what? I just That's went with so it. funny. I, just, I didn't know what to so do. So where did it end? Did you say, did you say something like? Uh, no, he was like very it's adamant. It's really good to see you. I'm gonna hook you up with a pair of beats. <laughs> he was very adamant on like connecting with me, and then I think what ended up happening was because we never got connected, was like the person who he asked to connect us told him oh. that I was not Zane Lowe, but I am Zach Sang. So you know what? Now that you say them quickly, maybe some of the team said Zane Lowe, and they're like. Zach Sang. You know what I mean? Like, it, like, am I trying to make excuses for the guy? Yeah, I, I don't think that's... Like, it's a Z. You're both Zs. Dude, like, I, and you yeah. have four-letter last names. You both are kind of bald. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am so many things. Bald is not one of them. That's very true. Your hair grows aggressively fast. Yes, Cameron. I'm also not a dad. Zane, you're a good-looking dad. Um, I also got facial hair. I don't got that. I have nothing. It's, whatever. What, who cares? I, maybe I should have corrected him, but... I kind of like just going with it. No, I think I that's mean, great. 
if yeah. he sees me again and he like, I'm going to wait for him to say my name. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if I ever run into this guy again, like I'm going to, I'm going to be like, uh, like, Hey man. And then hopefully he'll say <laughs> hey, my brother. name back. He'll be like, Hey Zane or Zach or whatever. Something similar happened to me once. Not, nobody thought I was Zane Lowe. To be clear, nobody thought I was Zane Lowe. But well, yeah. I went into what was supposed to be a job interview in a coffee shop uh-huh. and walked in and this guy just like waves at me and I'm like, oh, this is the guy I'm interviewing with. Uh-huh. That's what I was thinking. Walk up to the guy and he's like, how's your family? How's your mom and dad? Oh. And then I was like, they're good. And then he kept asking questions and I realized he thought I'm somebody else. <laughs> But we were too far in. <laughs> so you never told so him? So I just kept on filling in the gaps. Yes, about my sister. I don't have one of those. <laughs> I was like, she's great. She's really good. She's enjoying college. You know, and then I just left. I just left. I never went to the job interview. Somebody yesterday looked at Cameron and thought that he looked like Harry Jowsey. I swear to God. Yeah. And then Zach almost threw up from laughing. I did. You know he what? was the most insane thing I've ever I heard it, in my man. life. You see it, Dan? I see it a bit. You see Harry yeah. Jowsey and Cameron? I would never have thought of it myself, but now that somebody mentioned it, I'd be like, all right, I could like, you know, long lost brothers or something. What, what? do you think what do you think we, we have most in common? It is okay to say my body. <laughs> um I consent. You know, it's like you have so little in common that it like works that like you do. What? So you have nothing in common, I know that, but you, so you do. I know yeah. you didn't mean that offensively, but for some reason that really hurt. <laughs> No, now that I think about it, yeah, but like I, I get what they're saying. Maybe it's the vibe. Yeah, I think it's just the vibe. You know, <laughs> it's the vibe, mate. It's the general overall fun vibe. By the way, Harry Jowsey's is a reality star, OnlyFans, six mm-hmm. foot five, totally jacked. Cameron. That's what it is. It's probably because we both do OnlyFans. Yeah, and you probably and you both slept with like two hundred and fifty plus. Both actually. Oh, that's it. Oh, I way exceeded that. <laughs> Please, you're right. We are nothing alike. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Zach literally almost started throwing up. <laughs> oh yeah, what happened? So who said this? He to got you? mean. Uh, well, okay, I also had like a real yeah. <laughs> so the person I'm, I guess I'm dating. Um, Not you guys. I definitely am dating. Okay. Um, for now, is he though, here? For now. Oh, Wait a second. Wow. No, 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 no. Well, maybe we eventually we'll be boyfriends. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought we were going the opposite direction. <sighs> no, Jesus Christ. no, no, no. I mean, hopefully not. It's gonna take them to run. They could, you know, I get mixed signals all day. Okay. Um, anyway, they're the ones who are like <laughs> looking and I thought to myself, like maybe he's just trying to butter, butter Cameron up, like get on his good side. Yeah. Cause good, that would be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> built a good rapport with him, a friendship. So he's going to look him in the eye and lie to him and say that he looks like one of the most gorgeous men on the internet. What does that say to you, Dan? The fact that he is countering it that hard. He thinks Harry Jowsey yeah. is one well, of the most gorgeous, gorgeous men, men on, on the internet. He which is. he thinks, I know I look nothing alike, a.k.a. what does that say about me? <laughs> I don't want to say anything. Say it. We're I all mean, thinking it. You're not the most gorgeous man on the internet. And neither am I. I don't think I look like him either. I, go ahead. Continue digging yourself out of this no, one. No, it's true. <laughs> He's a really beautiful specimen. Most people don't look like him. So for... for uh, <laughs> <laughs> so for, for the for the guy I'm dating to look at you and and, yeah. and, and tell you that you look like somebody who makes like a million dollars a month off of their physical appearance. Keep going. Yeah, I'm listening. Could be. It's it's funny because like the you ever find this about Zach? The more he tries to dig himself out of the I hole, dig in. the more he so dig much in. deeper. 
It's like a mile deep now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry that uh, you don't actually look like Harry Jowsey because yeah, he's no. attractive and you clearly not. No, but I wouldn't even That's, say other attractive people look like him. Like the person I'm dating mm -hmm. is I find incredibly gorgeous mm -hmm. and is beautiful. Does not look like Harry Jowsey. Cameron, okay. you are gorgeous in your own way. I, I like where this is yeah, going. Yeah. Does Let it, me ask you this. You could be gorgeous you, and not look like who, Harry Jowsey. What, name a uh, very attractive celebrity you do think I look like. Drew <laughs> <laughs> Carey. Oh, you son of a bitch. Drew <laughs> Carey like six years ago when he lost all the weight, right? <laughs> not fat Drew Carey. Uh, Cleveland rocks. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! I love watching you squirm. It's like my favorite thing. I just like that. Like, I'm just being honest. He look like you mm. carry sometimes. Yeah, that's kind of hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't name anybody else. You had to pick Drew fucking Gary. Wow! Does anyone even this room even know who or what Drew Carey is? Oh come on! The kids say the darnest things. No, that's not Drew Carey. Bill Cosby. I get those two confused. I don't what? look like him. I don't look like him, do I? Please say I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I meant who one is in any way. <laughs> Jesus, Daniel. We spent years on your radio. Now we do whatever this is. Zach Sang Show. Yo, beautiful human. I just burped. It was pretty gross. Oh, yeah. It was chunky. You know, I have a friend who can't burp. What? What do you mean? She can't burp. Is it your girlfriend? I have a friend who cannot <laughs> burp. Like, it doesn't matter what she eats. She could chug an entire bottle of soda and no air comes out of her throat. So where does it go? Out the butt? Probably out of her ass. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, she'll sit there and just, she'll try so hard. She'll do things that usually make people burp. She can't burp. Wow. It's pretty amazing. You know, that, like, I used to, like, people used to believe, like, girls don't poop. Oh, they sure do. They do? Yep. <laughs> What? You ever walk in the bathroom after one? You're going to make a clothes pin and a COVID mask. What? Good God. Uh, I mean, guys, too. This goes for everybody. But I yeah. just, you know, I've just, you know. I don't know, though. I, you know, I've, I lived with somebody for many months. Mm -hmm. And we figured out how to, like, not, like, smell it, like, be gross. And we I, lived in a very small apartment. My wife and I have been married almost three years. We have a very strict closed door policy. I do yeah, not I get, get how couples start doing that. Like open door. Oh, come on in. I'm peeing. Like, no. Yeah. Stay out. No. Well, well okay. Doesn't well, Megan Trainer have two toilets next to each other so her and her husband can shit together? Correct, Daniel. Yeah, that yeah, is true. true. Um, but it, it, nice. going number one or number two, you shouldn't do that around your significant other. But like showering right. and being naked and being around bathroom. Being naked with your significant other? Yeah, I think that's, that's okay. off limits. I don't know. I'm just, I'm new to it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> figured it out. I know. Could have totally blew my spot there today. Oof. We had somebody coming to visit and they were a friend and I told them about the person I'm dating. Yeah. And <laughs> she literally brought him up while he was standing right there and he was like, so tell me about this new guy or something like that. And I was like, oh, there's the person. Meet that person. It's bound to happen. Yeah. Whatever. Play with fire. Yeah. That's, you know, it's fine. It's, it's going well. Yeah. Story of my life going well. It's Listen, here's nice and close to the sun. When we post something on TikTok, it's 300,000 views. I'm sure a lot of people are going to know about it.
Oh, my Virginia announcement. Yeah. Yeah, my mom wants to congratulate you. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Miss Washlonger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> great. Never thought I'd be texting my mom about Zach's virginity. <laughs> but here we are. That makes me really happy. Uh, a lot of people commenting on that video uh, who had been listening for, to the show for a long time. And just, you know, people have been invested. In this journey. Very invested. That's been going on for far too long. I mean, it's been woven into so many things at this point, which yeah. is why people are invested. Yeah, it's called genius fucking story. Yeah, time. it's called, that was the plan. <laughs> that was the plan all along. <laughs> not that I'd say I'm a one trick pony, which is one personality point. <laughs> it's definitely not that. It's definitely that I don't have anything else to talk about. We got this comment that says, I love Zach. He's just like an adorable alien that's trying new human things. <laughs> That's so cute. I'll take it. I've always thought that about you. Thanks. Adorable little alien. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, it's like a little alien who experiences like a penis for the first time. He's like, what's this do? He just sticks it in whatever he can find. Is that what the comment said? Ah! <laughs> that was a long comment on a TikTok video. Jesus. Well, yeah. 300,000 views and growing, right? And also the video. <laughs> oh! <laughs> No, so uh, yeah, yeah. No, we're at three hundred thousand views. Yeah, I'm glad that you know. I'm glad that the people are along for this journey with me. Yeah, it's um, very fun. Yeah, <laughs> it is so fun. Top comment on our video is a man named Cameron Lewis who said, "So happy for you." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> happy for you. <laughs> I'm glad you share stuff like this on the show. Otherwise, it'd be boring. You know, the last person that I was dating told me at one point that I shouldn't share anything personal about myself on the show. Isn't that kind of the idea, though? Well, that's <laughs> when you do a show. Yeah, it's kind of what I've been doing for the last 17 years. So he, he literally said that to me while we were at dinner. Um, yeah, it was bad. Um, <laughs> Sorry. You're in a much better spot now, though. Oh, man. You know how if you're like you're on TikTok and you're watching a TikTok and there's like a search bar above? And yeah. he was like, pick something like similar to the video. Oh, yeah. What does it say? What, what do you think Zach's virginity post says? <laughs> um, I'm going to say, because this is, this is a very common comment we get and tweet we get. Zach saying is gay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's your guess, Zach. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, please. That's words. kind of hard. How do you type Maybe that out? How to lose your virginity. Okay. Okay. 40 year old virgin might be. Jordan? Any Zach other guess? saying boyfriend. Zach saying okay. boyfriend. That's a good one. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Jet, how, Jet, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> no way! <laughs> what? Why? Why? Because he, the 40-year-old virgin, he goes, Kelly Clarkson! Kelly Clarkson saw <laughs> Wow. Damn. It's an honor to share this with you, Kelly. Hello, everyone. Hello, beautiful human. It's the Zach Sang Show. Zach Sang Show, hanging out. I only got a little bit of a sandwich in my mouth right now. I'm so sorry. Are you somebody else talk? Are you, yeah. Um, are you eating a... <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> <laughs> are you eating a tuna melt with a side of mozzarella sticks? Yeah, man. What's the problem with that? <laughs> hey, thanks for muting my mic. Uh, no, you're good. Wait, what's your problem with that? There's not a problem with that. Brother, I'm just trying to live, okay? Oh, you're living. I know. I you're love living. that you know we play a song. We have like three, four, sometimes even five minutes, and the second that takes a bite <laughs> is right before we start talking. Yeah, it's, pro it's a problem. It's a problem. It's, it's a problem. It's a problem. But you know what? I'm done eating now. I'm full. Congrats. I, what is that look you're giving me, Dan? I didn't give a look. What are you trying to say? You're trying to say I'm like getting fat again? <laughs> 
the fuck you Where trying to say? Where did that come from? This, see, this is what happens. I can read this, his mind. No, you can't. I can. No, you can't. Why do you like fighting with Dan? It's not... Yeah, you know what? Answer that question. Then I got something to say. <laughs> I don't like fighting with Dan. It just comes so natural. Anyway. I think things get like settle down around here and then you two start going at one another just because it's what you're used to. Okay, so you're saying, you're, you're criticizing how much I'm eating. It's just a weird combination. I'm all about weird combinations of food, but that's, I, a tuna mountain and mozzarella sticks is like an interesting pair. Well, I've gotten the pair before, right, Kelsey? <laughs> Plenty of times. Thank you so much. Thank you for that confirmation because if she wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have believed it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know I'm in a healthy spot, okay? So here's what I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> Zach over the years has loved to say like, oh, Dan said this about me or gaining weight, this or that. And it's like, I've never said that. And you're like, yes, you have. And this, what you did right there is one of those instances where you tried to claim that I said something and I didn't. I just made a, I, I asked you what you're eating. Yeah, but and you, you just take it and flip it a thousand ways and try to make it seem like I'm accusing you of something. And you're actually accusing me of something. Well, well, I'm just saying that I'm, in, I'm, I'm reading between the lines of what you said, which is tuna melt mozzarella cheese sticks a lot of cheese a lot of carbs i do feel like you're saying you, you just ate those two that's a hell of a journey you ate those two things together it's exactly what i said but <laughs> you took it on the journey okay listen well, i'm a very uh what's that word called not deep surface level i'm a very surface level person when i'm asking you if you're eating a food combo that's all i want to know if you're eating the food combo okay well i'm eating the food combo could have just ended it there Zach Sang shows live right here on this beautiful Friday Eve. Uh, you we got, I'm good. We got to check in with Kelsey though for a soccer update. What is going on in the world of soccer? A lot. Well, like, I've I've heard nothing actually. No. So uh, Spain, as we all know, won the Women's World Cup. Yes. Cool. Um, you'd think. I obviously, I think I've talked about how was a little apprehensive about the Spain win because their federation has like a lot of issues. And the and coach like, is a piece of shit, right? Right. So the co they've spoken out about the coach. They've spoken out about, oh, about the federation as well. And so during the World's Cup, the president of the Royal Spanish Federation of Football, mm -hmm. Luis something, I don't know his last name off the top of my head, but he, first of all, when they won, he celebrated by grabbing his dick and pointing it towards the camera. Okay. What? <laughs> so what? that was a little much. Oh, you think? And then, but it gets worse. It what? gets so a lot worse. So then he starts going on the field and celebrating with the players and gets a little touchy-feely as a picture, like kissing a girl on the cheek, whatever. What? It comes to the point where they're on the stage receiving their medals for their gold medals for winning the World's Cup. He's sitting next to the Queen of Spain and her daughter. Okay, and he grabs Jenny Hermoso and kisses her on the mouth. What? In front of everyone. And then the, basically people were like, how could we let this happen? Yeah. Jenny Hermoso went on an Instagram live while they were celebrating and was like, in Spanish, obviously, was like, I didn't like it, like, but like, what was I supposed to do about it? Um, and so... Basically, people were outraged. They were like, Ew. clearly she was upset. Like, why would he do this? Like, he does this in front of cameras. Like, what is he like? Clearly no these, shame. Like, right, it's the most public stage behind. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, after that, the Spanish Federation tried to like release a statement being like, no, like 
Jenny Hermosa doesn't mind. They almost wrote the statement like it was coming from her. Oh what? Yeah, and then it was released that it wasn't. So her, through her like uh, agency, released a statement being like, "That's not true. I want them to like seek disciplinary action for this." Like, uh, I, like clearly, you heard it from my mouth, and I said I didn't like it. Like, so basically, FIFA said that they were going to open a uh, investigation about this. They said this either t- t- this morning or yesterday. And then he is apparently going to resign. Isn't this crazy? Like, he like, should be fired and fined. Yeah. And- your freaking country wins the World Cup. So you start open mouth kissing your players, and you this, freak. And this is now the headline. Like, No, you're disgusting. You're a disgraceful person who's ruined the win from everybody. You've stolen from your country. You are an unpatriotic scumbag. Uh, and there's probably a special place in hell waiting for you. And anybody who's resigning before the internal investigation is somebody who knows that they've done a lot oh, of yeah. fucking shit. Yeah. And it's all about to be uncovered. Damn, brother. Yeah, if he was, uh, you know, not a creep, I think he'd try to fight to keep his job. And by the way, that's all legend. I'm not speaking in absolutes, but, you know, if it, like, if it smells, you know. Yeah. There's smoke, there's probably fire. What? I I think I heard the first part. He did what when they won? He he grabbed his, his sh- member. Yeah. Held and it to pointed the it at the camera. And then he, like, goes on the field and starts literally groping people and making out with people. Right. That's not how I would celebrate. <laughs> I think not. How would you celebrate, Dan? Probably jump up and down. Cool. High five Say, my teammates. Yay. <laughs> you know? High five. High five. High five. Yay. High five. Good game. Good game. Good Somehow game. Somehow that's the no- most normal thing you could say. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting way to celebrate. Unreal, though. That's insane. Yeah, it's real gross. It, yeah, it makes me sad that like scumbag, gross garbage people like this still exist in our world. Also that it's They're like- everywhere. You know, it's, trying to get lift women's sports up. Yeah, he's totally distracting from it and taking away. He's taking away from the, the the World Cup. He's taking away from his country's win. He's taking away from those women's win. Again, like, ugh. Now nobody's going to want to kiss you. <laughs> Is he married? I have no idea. Honestly, I'm probably. Sure. Also, Probably, though. Like, I don't think it. But it don't matter. Even yeah. if he ain't. Uh, it never stops anybody. No. no. I'm telling you, he's literally standing next to the queen and princess of Spain. Like, and doing this. That's crazy. <laughs> Not, no shame. No shame, no shame. You're gross, well, brother. Well, you know what? Congrats to those girls for bringing home the trophy. That's right. Yes. Yeah, we Spain. do celebrate right. the players. Spain. USA lost, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What a, like, you know what? We'll get them next time. What a disappointing outing. <laughs> yeah. Their coach is also gone, so. Exactly. All kinds of coaches are being <laughs> fired. Kelsey, you should coach the team. I honestly think I would do such an amazing job. I think so too. <laughs> Hashtag Kelsey for coach. That, <laughs> coach of the K. I'll, yeah. I'll give them my resume, and on my resume is just going to be like spoke about women's soccer on the Zach Sang show. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, this is like yeah, it's, it totally qualifies her to be a coach. And then right. we'll film it. This is Ted Lasso V two. Like this is our oh Ted God. Lasso. I like I this that. Kelsey Lasso. That's your nickname, Jet Kelsey Lasso. <laughs> Guys. Is there like a rate, not, I don't really want to be associated with a lot of radio people, but is there like a radio soccer league or softball league we could join as a team? No, I don't <gasps> want to do that. I want to do that it. That would be so fun. That'd be so sweet. Do you want to do it, Kelsey? Yeah, let's do it. She, you can, well, I'll tell you what, you can rehearse coaching us before the, you go. Okay. Yeah, Kelsey's got to be a player coach. Yeah. Okay. I'm not very good at soccer, so I don't know what you're getting yourself into. I'll teach you a few things. I know a lot. Of, I'll we, walk you through it. If we started like a FIFA league, oh. Oh, I could play like a FIFA like video game league. Oh no, what's I that? I hate video games. 
Oh. Yeah. You hate video games? I despise them. Why, Dan? It's so boring. Like, it's... Uh, you. It's like you're playing soccer, let's say. You're clicking button A, and the computer's deciding whether that's going to go in or not. Yeah, but no, you... Well... That's not true. There's a certain there, level of skill to it. Obviously, yeah. if I played like a professional person, I would get destroyed. Actually, anybody would destroy me. I just think video games are so boring and such a waste of time. I know there's people out there making a fortune on them. Shout out to those people. Not I. <laughs> not, not I. I said the fox. Here, here. <laughs> Dan has spoken. Video yeah. games, not for me. No. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Should Cameron and Jordan go to the doctor? You're going to make that decision and that diagnosis in a few. I like it. It's a little bit we call... WebMD. We can think of a better name. Okay. Yeah, that's, I think that one's already taken. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Zach MD. Uh, House. Oh, I got it. No, no. <laughs> Web Zach E. So uh, many good ideas. We'll decide. Remember ER? <laughs> yeah. What? You, remember Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> God. Such remember a, House? Such a great show. Such a great fucking show. Love Grey's. It's still on. Yeah, I know. Shouldn't be probably. I'm way behind. I'm like 20. How many seasons are there? <laughs> 32. Ooh, I'm 31 so seasons behind. Speaking of a lot of seasons, I do have a question. How do soap operas work? I've, I've they seen shoot them every like, day. Well, or they gang that. shoot numerous episodes in a day. But like yeah. if, if it, there's some that have been around for like 80 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. Is it just like a continuous story? Like, so the people that started have like, now the characters are now like the great, great grandparents. Yes. I used no to way. work uh, in the same building as several soap operas. And I used to, I was fascinated by the soap Kath operas. Kath and Kim? Uh, not Kath and Kim. Oh, not Kath wow, and you're Kim. an asshole. Kath and Kim is not a soap opera. No. It's an Australian sitcom that changed television okay. all across the world. But the, the soap operas, they, they'll write a batch of episodes. If one of the actors goes on vacation, they literally write it into the script like they're doing something else. I love that. Because they're so heavily in production. Zach's right. They'll shoot Monday through Friday, and they'll probably shoot 30 episodes in that time. Most of what you see on TV was the first take. And there's a bunch of YouTube compilations of like horrible people my, running into doors. My mom would watch them every day growing up. And I remember just being with her on days that we were off from school watching Days of Our Lives and yeah. All My Children and these terrible soaps. But we're also really great. And by the way, same actors have been on them for freaking ever. Forever. And a lot of cases to you, like they do 30 in a week or they'll mm -hmm. shoot an episode a day. Um, they get paid well? I mean, pretty consistently. Yeah. Yeah, well, I didn't no. know if they like got paid as much as like uh, like a How I Met Your Mother type. No, they're not getting like a million dollars an episode because they're doing an episode every day. Good residuals though, because they rerun the crap out of those things. Yeah. yeah, giddy up. Well, are you thinking about getting into soaps or what? I wouldn't mind it. I'd love that. <laughs> you should throw your hat in the ring. Audition. I feel like you don't need to be a great actor to be a soap opera. Oh, what are you trying to say? No, I agree. You, I think the main requirement is that you have a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, consistency. Like, Su Susan Lucci's an icon. Margot Robbie got her start on a soap opera. In yeah. Australia. And now she's like one of the most highest paid actresses. Oh. Yeah. She was on Days of Our Lives. <laughs> she said different like that. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Seriously, Dan, try it out. Give me an audition. You get yourself an audition. I ain't your agent. Zach. Sang. Show. Let's play a game. Should they... Go to the doctor. The answer is probably yes, but here in America, we have really, uh, you know, not not great access to doctors. Even though we have healthcare, obviously, not very good healthcare. Is it? I mean, America healthcare sucks. Yeah, that's what I mean. We're gonna do a little game. By game, I mean diagnosis. I was gonna say it's not a game when we're talking about my livelihood. Yeah, life and death. 
Should they go to the doctor? We'll start with you, Cameron. What are your symptoms? Well, I mentioned, I think on yesterday's show, that I was eating lunch by myself. Had a little bite to eat. Gagged and basically threw up. I didn't throw up, but like saved myself from almost throwing up. Okay. I've eaten twice today. And each time I've eaten, I am having a hard time like not... Gagging? Gagging. And I don't know what the F is going on. It wasn't dramatic when I was just eating here in the studio a couple minutes ago. Nothing like happened outwardly, but inwardly, I, it was like hard for me to eat. I don't know if is that a sign of something? Yeah. What? It'd be like a gastro problem, like a reflex thing. From what? Like maybe something with your esophagus. Do you think I I don't know what's wrong it, Dan? Could also be stomach I cancer. Think it could be pregnant. <laughs> Could be cancer of the lining of your esophagus. Jesus. So you should go get a check. Do you think I should get a check? Yes. Is there any common thread between foods you're consuming? Um, It's a good question. I don't think so, no. Do okay, you, you got to get a check. Do you feel like you have weak throat muscles? Um, No, I feel like I have very strong throat <laughs> muscles. Okay. How do you know, though? Oh, I know. <laughs> Just, I know, in general. I don't believe in. No, I don't know. I, like, how, how does one know if you have strong throat muscles? I don't like, know. I mean, not like, I don't know. That's weird. Do you feel weird. nauseous? Yeah. When I'm eating, mm. <laughs> it's really narrowing it down. Um, okay. I think you may have dysphagia. Dysphagia. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Why even go to the doctor? I think I saved myself some money and, <laughs> and time. Yeah. Do you, um, does, it, does the food ever come? Sometimes you feel like it's going to come up through your nose. Um, I don't think so. Okay. I don't, I don't feel myself like sneezing out burritos. But... <laughs> the answer is you need to go to the doctor. Right. I mean, it's only been a, it's only been two days. How are your bowel movements? Uh, fine. Regular. <laughs> Got it. Good. You know, I don't know. Let me go find out. <laughs> no, it's fine. And the reason, by the way, the reason I wanted to ask Jordan the same question, she mentioned very casually that, uh, she vomited or threw up blood, spit blood. Wait, get on the microphone, please. What's your symptoms? And let's decide if you should go to the doctor. So oh, hold on. Yeah. So this morning I was just, you know, doing my thing, yeah. driving, and I coughed up some phlegm as one does. Uh-huh. Opened it my happens. door to spit it out because, oh, you know, yeah. where else am I going to do it? In the car. <laughs> Good point. And uh, <laughs> so I spit and it was blood. Uh, okay, so that's bad. How much like, blood? Um, like a, it was red. Like it was not like there were specks of right. blood in it. It it was very obvious. It was red, and then it was a green light. So I just kept going. Okay, have you coughed up blood since? No. Have you coughed up blood before? Yes. When? Um, when I had COVID last week. Interesting. So remnants uh, of COVID. It's very possible. You know, are you? Are, do you feel dry in your sinuses and your nose? I feel pretty good otherwise. I think that was maybe- Do you feel dry? Like, not really. I, I really think that was like the last like molecule of COVID leaving my body. Interesting. <laughs> do you, okay. Do you, you felt the release? Yeah. <laughs> do you feel like it's because Mercury is in retrograde? That's a real possibility. <gasps> yeah. Well, yeah, I got to think about these I, things. <laughs> you know, actually things just keep happening. Oh yeah? Like what? Well, for one- that this morning. Okay. Two, um, went to get my car tire fixed. They said, come back tomorrow. Oh, got to do it all again tomorrow. Wow. Jordan. How dare they? Um, <laughs> someone side swiped my car. Whoa. Well, it was parked, for fortunately. Uh, that's pretty bad. That sucks. But I yeah, they just kept going, didn't leave a note or anything. Sick. Where were you parked? In front of my Zach's house. Zach's house? 
<laughs> yeah, in front of your house. <laughs> Anything else happen to you? Um, yeah, actually, this Poshmark seller just canceled my order. Oh, oh my God. I, was, I was literally so excited. That asshole. I ordered it. I showed Carlos. I was like, look at what I just got for a steal. <laughs> 30 minutes later, I got what a notification it? that it was refunded. And I'm like, what's the reason? Did they say a reason? Yeah, she. <laughs> oh my God. I, I hate her. <laughs> you don't know her. Um, well, from this interaction, I am not a fan. All right. So I thought I was getting like a great price. You know, I was like, wow, she doesn't know the value of her, <laughs> what she's selling. So yeah. I snapped it up, snatched, I don't know. And um, I was like, hey, was there a reason you just refunded me? She goes, yeah, I just did some research and mm -hmm. saw that they were actually selling for $400 on GOAT. So I lowballed myself. Sorry. <laughs> and how well, much were you going to get them rude. for? 135 Oh. Uh, what were they? They were just the um, Adidas Samba Rose. Oh. I love those. That should be illegal. <laughs> yeah. What? You so, you had listed something at a price. Like if you went to Walmart and bought something. They can't come at you and like change the price yeah, on you. Yeah, but Walmart's doing a little bit more due diligence before they choose and price something. Not some average lady in Ohio. Well, that's Ohio lady's fault. Uh, well, you're right, I guess. I think Jordan is, in, she is entitled to the shoes. Well, mm -hmm. she has them listed again for 275 now, which I think it's... is a little ridiculous. And I saw someone commented, would you take 100 <laughs> Really? <laughs> <laughs> so What's her I'm name? Let's throw it out there. How it goes. Well, yeah, she could come back to you and be like, yo, sister, I kept him out there in the universe for a little bit. Didn't you get what I was looking for? Deal. No, I just, I don't want her to have my money anymore. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, teach her a lesson. I like it. So if she comes to you and she goes, I'll, I'll actually accept your offer. You'll see no? I go, give me a discount, free shipping. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll take it. You know what? I don't think you need to go to the doctor. No, <laughs> she should. And you should too. Both. Physical doctors and some mental health stuff, I think. What? what? Therapy's good for everybody. I'm already in therapy. Well, what about my gagging makes me need to go to therapy? I mean, everybody should be going to therapy. No, don't circle. Don't it's try true, to save though. yourself on this one. It's true. You got a discount code or something to yeah. give them You next. better help. Use the code Zach 10 when you check it out for 10% off your first- When you're checking out on the mental health app? Yeah, when you're checking out- <laughs> When I put therapy in my shopping cart, I get 10% off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who else? Carlos, you have any doctors? You need to go to the doctor? No, you're good? Okay. Well. No, seriously, though, therapy is a great thing. And if you have access to it, you should go. It's a really beautiful thing. Thanks. Um, yeah, Dan, you should go. I went for, I went for a long time. And then Dan felt he was cured and I'll, hasn't gone back in years. I have said, when Cameron came into my life, I stopped going to therapy. I have good ever since. Is that true? Yep. Is that true? Because I feel like you stopped going a minute ago. Dude, run with it. Yes, and. Yeah, no. <laughs> yes. So when Cameron came into my life, <laughs> I stopped going to therapy. He is uh, my Lord and Savior. Wow, look at that. You are my God. Oh, babe. What? You, you heard jealous? it here. You jealous that I never called you that? I'm talking to you, Zach. Oh, me? I thought you were talking <laughs> about Carlos. <laughs> oh, you think I would ever think of you as my Lord and Savior? Oh, you, oh, you, oh, you want, I, I don't want you to call you me. I don't want to be your Lord and Savior. I'm okay. I'm fine. Gotta say, we've done a lot of shows. This might be the weirdest one. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. I don't know, though. We've had some weird fucking shows. We've had some, like, if you really think about it, like, we've had some really good ones. We've had some really bad ones, too. 
Okay, thanks. That was a good summary. It's really <laughs> deep shit. Thanks, brother. What do you think about it? Some days were better than others. <laughs> yeah, that's called life. <laughs> Feels good. Uh, a lot of stuff to get into, including a lot of butter. I'll explain in a few. Hello. You're listening to The Zach Sang Show. That's what makes you beautiful. And that's what makes you beautiful. Can we take a trip to Iowa real quick? The people over there are feeling betrayed uh, after realizing that the Iowa State Fair butter cow wasn't completely made of butter. Have you seen the butter cow? Yeah, I have. Is it not? It's a very famous thing. Every year, the Iowa State Fair has one of them. And this year, it's being dismantled. And while it's being dismantled, somebody is filming it. And it turns out that the sculpture is not solid butter, but simply butter slabs applied to a mesh structure in the shape of a cow and manipulated to appear smooth and solid. That's weak. So who cares? It's not like what do you mean? Who cares? It's a lie. We've been lied to. What the yeah, fuck? I agree. Did they ever say like yes. this is a hundred percent butter? They said it's a butter cow. It's a cow made of butter. Is what they said. <laughs> you show up and it's no. It's a cage cow with butter covering it. It's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes you'll see like <laughs> it's a cage cow. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll see like a crazy cake that looks like a unicorn or something, and there's like a piece of wood connecting the head to the body. Nah, no. yeah, but that's bullshit. You got to do it with the rice crispy. Yeah, that, or fondant. Yeah, give me give me a rock solid piece of fondant. I'm look. I'm upset about the butter cow, um, but I will still go to the fair because nah, these, I like when they do the husband calling. These people at that's Iowa though need to call a buddy Velastro and get some fucking tips because at the end of the day. All you got to do, and I'm not a butter expert, I haven't sculpted, haven't churned it, only really consume it, just a fan. <laughs> you, you need to just, like a sandcastle, mm-hmm. mold her, mold her. I think it's really cheap that you're choosing to use this, like, essentially, what is like a, what an outline, like mm-hmm. something you're tracing. Yeah. Fuck that. It's bullshit. Go it's get somebody art. who's working at the beach who molds these crazy sun ca- sand castles. Let's come on down and mold a cow out of butter. Yeah, but maybe the maybe the cow's head is too heavy to be held up by just butter. That's an excuse, Tim. Okay, so then... Uh, <laughs> Don't here, make up excuses for these butter a-holes. Here's what I'll be okay with. Here's what I'll give you. Yeah. You get one rod that connects the head to the base. That's fucking it. And what is it made of? <laughs> It's made of Swiss to, cheese. The, to keep it in you the, are sick. <laughs> I was thinking to keep it in the family, like do a giant foil rod, you know, just foil. Because I don't think foil rod would be very also, like. Well, well, when you get butter, sometimes it's covered in foil. Or what if you did like the wax oh. paper rod, you know? Oh yeah, a rod made of wax paper. That's That'll lay it together. No, thick. Like, <laughs> you crumble up the wax paper. It'll get there. You know, thick yeah, wax. The thick wax. Uh, yeah. Well, clearly, I'm not an engineer or, or an architect. You know what, though? I could listen to you talk about crafting a butter cow all fucking day. <laughs> well, I love it. I'm just saying, head to the beach and grab those people who make them sandcastles and say, come to Landlock, Iowa, and do some work on butter because this is the closest thing we got to sand. But there's a reason sand, you don't see sand cows. What are you talking about? <laughs> you don't see sand cows because they're not meant to be at the fucking beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. If there was a farm near a beach, somebody would have the wherewithal to be like, "Oh, let me make a sand cow." I think the real, I think the real question is, who the hell invented this thing? The, Can you imagine? Yeah, who's the first one day? Yeah, but, but you're telling me that they've been using this mesh 
this mesh cow thing forever? No bullshit. Somebody had to make a real genuine butter cow at one point, and yeah. then somebody's like, "Oh, let's do this a little bit better, yeah, a little let's bit cheap out." Yeah, maybe make some efficiencies, scale yeah. back here, skimp here, murmur, murmur. And then they came in and said, "Mesh." But like, what 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 did the the original guy did? And, and and by the way, if they can fucking build the pyramids, they can figure out how to keep a butter cow head attached to a butter cow body without it falling off in the sun's heat. You know what? There is a parallel there to capitalism in the United States. Think about it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the real lesson here. I just imagine like the years like 18 something, 1890, and some guy goes, hey Dan, mm. look at what I made. It's a cow. It's made of butter. <laughs> it's still around. And then it just became a thing. But what if you go back to 1890 when the first butter cow was made and there was a mesh butter, there was a mesh cow inside the butter cow? That is not in America I choose to live in. Yeah. Well, I feel lied to. It's you giving Buzz Aldrin yeah. didn't go to the moon. Right. And that's called bullshit. I don't like that. But they'll figure it out. I think they can do it. I believe in the people of Iowa to come together and say, hey, no more mesh. Genuine butter cow. I really think they can do it. I mean, what else they got going on? Slip, <laughs> slipknot. <laughs> yeah, Slipknot and I, butter cows. Yeah, I forgot Slipknot was from Iowa. Yeah. He claims that Iowa hates him. Yeah, they... Corey yeah. Taylor. Yeah, he said that on our show. Went viral. Never been to Iowa. Was on the radio in Peoria in Dubuque. Mm. Where else in Iowa around the radio? <laughs> Des Moines? Probably, yeah. That makes sense. Anywho. God, I would love to, like, how do you consume a butter cow? Do you dip what you want to, do you dip your bread like on it? Like, do you take the bread and like run it across a butter cow or do you take a knife and take butter off of it and then spread it? What, scrape it to death? Yeah. Like, sick, but, like no, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, have you ever seen those butter charcuterie boards? Shit the what? looks so fresh. Butter charcuterie board? Yeah. Where they doctor up this butter, they whip it and then you dip it. So what I'm saying is I got toast, right? And I got a butter cow in front of me. Am I cutting a piece of the butter cow and applying it to the toast? Or am I applying the toast to the butter cow? Do people- That's a great question. You get what I'm saying, right? It's a really good question. And which end do you start at? Mm. Ass. Got to be the ass, right? I'm an ass guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an ass man. Uh, Depending on the day, it could be udders. But you go with the ass because it's just easy. You're definitely not an udder guy. Dude, truth. <laughs> Dude, never been near one of them. Wouldn't um, know what to do. Uh, but do they actually eat the butter cow? I would assume not, because if they've eaten the butter cow over the years, you eventually would get to what's inside the middle, which is mesh. Mm. No, they just keep it alive until the end of the fair, and then they put it out of its misery. <laughs> would they just <laughs> they bake it in the sun? Yeah, it just melts. Melt you, it. I have an important question off this. Okay, how do you feel about people who use toothpicks when making jack o' lanterns? What? How do we get here? And also, what am I doing with the toothpicks in the pumpkins? Yeah. What are you talking about? What am I talking about? Yes, what are you talking about? You've never seen somebody that's making like a jack-o'-lantern and like they have to cut a certain part out so they cut it out and then they toothpick it back in so it stays in place? No. 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 I, yeah, what I kind I, of? God, I, I, love, I, I love carbon pumpkins. Okay, so how do you Kelsey's feel about it? Like, familiar. Does, okay. Do jack-o'-lanterns only count as jack-o'-lanterns if it's like straight you cut from pumpkin, pumpkin support and pumpkin? And toothpicks support pump? I think I think there's a place for it, but like I would never do that. Oh uh, like, yeah, because you little know little why? Because Kelsey is a jack o' lantern purist. Yeah, yeah. And she's not okay. over with the toothpick gang. It just goes back to the buttercup purist. Like, can you have the mesh or not? The the mesh and the toothpick are the same thing, holding together the creation, the art. I would you, have to disagree with that. 
I think that <laughs> Jordan, okay. come on in, Jordan. Yes, come on yes. in. I love this. By the way, this is exactly how the GOP debate went last night. <laughs> same topic, same argument. Exactly. I think that toothpicks are used in pumpkin carving when you've made a mistake and you need to correct it. Interesting. Oh. And like put a piece that you cut out back in. Yes. A okay. Pumpkin can sustain being cut into with little holes in it, you know? Truth. And the butter cow? I imagine if it was frozen, solid, like of butter, it totally could work. Yeah, like imagine like big blocks of butter being molded smooth by hand, stacked mm -hmm. on top of each other, block by block. Yeah. <laughs> good shit. <laughs> That's a good argument. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> I expected her to say like, and this is why I'm running for the office. <laughs> I don't know. I just think if you make a mistake on your jack o' lantern, throw it out and start over. What? what Jesus, what are you going to waste a fucking pumpkin like that, you piece? Yeah. You're going to kill a perfectly innocent pumpkin? Yeah, why'd you do that? That's really rude. You know how long it takes for that pumpkin to grow? A long time. You had a whole dude. life in front of him, Dan. <laughs> yeah. That he was going to go to college. <laughs> that pumpkin's been waiting a long time to grow and be turned into that jack o' lantern to be put on display well, for then, this season. If, and you're going to cost him this opportunity? Well, then take That's your time. Bullshit. Don't mess up. That's well, your problem, then. Don't mess up. You know, up. sometimes parents mess up. <laughs> you, kids still deserve a shot. I don't expect. I don't accept anything less than perfection. <laughs> so remember that. <laughs> sometimes mom and dad pumpkin are going through a difficult time. Okay. <laughs> well, the struggles of everyday life have gotten to them. So hard. <laughs> so hard. Uh, Honestly, the stress of Halloween is crippling. Yeah, it really is. No, it's not. It's very stressful. I hate it. Are you throwing a party? I don't know. Money parties cost money. Since when do you uh, care? I don't think so. <laughs> I think you just say, "Come on over, unlock the door." That doesn't cost anything. Well, actually, <laughs> parties aren't that expensive. You just Venmo request. I got my friends one hundred fifty dollars afterwards. <laughs> that, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. A lesson learned actually, hard. Yeah, make a profit off of it. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good idea, Dan. I cannot get over that. We went to a birthday party the other day. I got hit with a Venmo, $290. Dan didn't show up. I got hit with a fee for him not showing up. Listen, yep. we're not getting into this. Dan showed up. By the way, it's been, uh, what, almost 48 hours now. Any any blowback from that? Uh, or? No, I finally got our, a message back about an hour ago. Okay, good. What did he say? Ha, 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 ha. It's all good. Whatever. All right. It's fine. It's over. Text him back. Do you think butter cows are real? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Sang Show. I'm Zach. That is Dan. And we welcome to the studio a gem of Canada, a blessing <laughs> to the Great White North. Uh, I don't want to pronounce your last name wrong. Cardin? Cardin is perfect. Charlotte yeah. Cardin. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Some, it's like those, it's those simple ones that like they scare me the most. Yeah, I mean, well... The French Canadian way to pronounce it is Cardin, but Cardin is perfectly wow. fine. That was yeah. way prettier. Well, but Cardin is Cardin is perfect. <laughs> you, you speak can just French. Stick yes, I'm French Canadian. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> Sick. And your parents are really smart. My parents. You are come from very crazy <laughs> lineage. Yes, that's the first time. Uh, yeah, it's a first for me opening the interview like that. But yes, um, my parents are very smart. They're both scientists. Yeah. They're much smarter than I am. Dude, they and both have PhDs. <laughs> they both have PhDs. Your yeah. dad is like a, does like biotech patents and shit. Yeah. That's so smart. Very smart. That's crazy. Yes, yes. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the weird one in the family. I'm the only artist. But both my parents are kind of like... 
they love music and they love art. They're just, they just have a very like rational brain at the same time. I'm kind of the opposite. I'm just, yeah, I'm the creative one in the family. But do you take any of that? I mean, you have to have some of that same sense and knowledge instilled in you, right? Like your parents can't just be that smart and methodical and, and <laughs> logical and mathematical and the whole yeah. thing and, and not have some of that be passed down to you. Yeah, well, I hope they pass down a little bit of their intelligence, but it's kind of, I remember like in school, my mom, so both my parents are like, they love, especially my mom, she loves learning and she loves school like she's like an academic person so I remember like she would gladly help me with my homework growing up like it was like a game for her it was like she's passionate about teaching and, and helping me learn things so they definitely passed on some nice things to me but just not the scientific side of the brain you know I'm not I'm not the most mathematical or scientific person <laughs> what well, part of making music though takes the most brain power that's true. And there is and there is some kind of um I kind of see music in a very logical, like almost mathematical way sometimes. Like when I think of like harmonizing and how like notes just kind of all arrange themselves very intuitively, I think that's probably a side of my brain that's somewhat mathematical, but in a very you know, in a in an in an artistic way rather than like you know, like when you get the bill after like your meal at the restaurant and you need to add tips that's when my heart starts racing and I'm like oh, I should have I should have learned more from my mom when she was teaching me math like it's just I can't I can't do it but when you're looking at music from a mathematical place like does that apply to structure or is that applying to just harmonies like where do you where where's do you see that I mean I don't really like think about it and it just kind of it's it's like an an intuition but I think yes music structure like music is a very mathematical thing. Like we hear music and the, the wavelengths that we hear, like all of that makes perfect sense. Like a song and like notes that go together, they go together for a reason. Like it's not just like, you can't just mix any note together and then the human ear will just not perceive it in the right way. So there's, um, there is a part of math and, and a part of, you know, something that's very logic, logical about music. Um, but, there's also obviously a huge part of, you know, I don't see music fully as science. Like it's just a little part of it for me. That's kind of like that. Your story is pretty wild. Like, uh, you, you start as a model, but you make it into music in a very real way. And you not only like you, you are, you, you are like the biggest thing in Canada. I was on the radio no. for five years. I mean, you're up there. You really are. Like you sweep <laughs> the Junos a couple times now. Mm. Uh, once last year yeah yeah but you, like you come but, on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it, i mean that's an that's the that's the honor like there's nothing right there's nothing bigger than that well in canada yeah that was that was a, a huge honor definitely and especially um it was really cool because it was with my debut album like and i i come from quebec which is the french part of canada and the junos is it's a an award show but it it's rare that you'll see Quebec artists that are um, represented at the Junos just because Quebec has its own like music uh, artistic ecosystem. Um, so it's hard for artists to cross over and to come out of Quebec and to cross over to the rest of Canada. Why is that? 
I don't know. I think it's because there is a there is a different culture in yeah. Quebec. Um, you know, the the language is different, but even just um, the whole culture is different in Quebec. So it kind of feels like a little bit of a different, just a different part of of a country. You know, um, and and um, there is a very sustainable music ecosystem in Quebec, and there's a an amazing like grant system. So what happens is that a lot of Quebec based artists just end up staying in Quebec for a really long time and just touring the same cities over and over. And, and you can have a beautiful career doing that, but I always had bigger ambitions. I always wanted, and my music is mostly in English. So like, obviously I wanted to speak to not only the Quebec people, which are, you know, I come from Quebec, but I wanted to, I wanted my music to reach as many people as I could. Um, and so the Junos for that, that, that to me was like the honor because it's really cool to be an artist from Quebec that kind of crosses over, um, to other parts of Canada. That to me was just like, okay, like this is, this is cool. It's not something that happens that often to a Quebec based artist. So you mentioned the grand system, which is zero Canada is the best maybe in the world Yeah, as it relates to supporting artists I mean, supporting film and television, but like mainly musical artists. Like I, I know CanCon. Uh, I know mm. about the percentage of yeah. a radio playlist <laughs> that has to belong to a producer, a writer, or an artist that is Canadian. Yeah. It's actually really special. Yeah. And, and I know that there's people in public office here in America who are trying to do something similar that spans like starting early education and beyond as it relates to the arts and music and giving more of an opportunity to artists to be seen and heard. Yeah. And to, yeah. And to, to, be artists like it's um it's really hard to hard to start in music because obviously like it's just you don't make money for a really long time and you need to buy all that you know gear and instruments and you need to you know pay everything yourself but it's true that in Canada we're really blessed because we have really good grant systems and same in Quebec like I've had a lot of help from the government and I still like for some parts of the project we still do like we apply for grants still and um I've been releasing music for like 10 years but we still have access to certain grants and it's just that's amazing because it allows artists to like exist and it it truly democratizes music yeah it it really does and um yeah I think that's definitely a a blessing that we have in Canada and, and in Quebec definitely democratizes music uh, restores local artistry and heightens cultural export mm-hmm. while giving its own an opportunity to shine. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's, yeah, it's cool. And I know that, like, when I first started, we were able to um, tour with, I was on a few supporting tours um, for American artists, and, like, I was able to tour a little bit in the States, opening for, um, for a couple artists and um that was only possible because of grants because when you think about it like when you're starting as an so artist expensive. it's so expensive and it's like you make like 200 bucks a show and it's like it doesn't even start to cover like the expenses of the hotels and the traveling and the food and the everything so it's like it just wouldn't have been possible for me to tour and to start showing my music outside of my hometown if it wasn't for the grant systems basically it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really lucky. Um, first of all, is it? It's not Quebec. Have I been saying that wrong my entire life? Uh, well, a lot of people say Quebec, but I say, I mean, in French, it's Quebec. So I think Quebec is close is a closer translation. Oh, so Quebec. drop it. Quebec. Quebec. All right. How, how are you able to break out of there and not become one of those artists that just stayed locally? 
Um, well, I mean, I, I'm still, I'm still working on that. Like my, st my main, um, my main fan base is still in Montreal. And, and so, but I think it's, it was just like a step-by-step -step thing. So it was, as I mentioned, like we toured a lot, like we, and we invested a lot of money in touring. And that's the thing is that when you try to, you know, grow your project, it's, you need to make those decisions. And if you want to just keep making money as an artist you can just keep touring locally and but we decide we made those choices to go to Europe and to tour and to tour at very small venues and try to you know build from the ground up and and it's just been a, a very kind of organic growth like none of what I'm experiencing now has happened overnight like the first single I put out was almost it was like maybe eight years ago and I've been working every day nonstop on my music since. And so we're starting to have like a fan base that's like super, you know, loyal and, and interesting in, in a few different places, but we're still, you know, I'm still very much of an emerging project everywhere outside of Canada. Mm -hmm. um, but that's also really fun because it allows me to like never take anything for granted like I feel like I'll play a show in Canada or in my hometown and it's just like we can we play big venues like we have a big audience it's just a, a it's a super fun experience and then we'll also play smaller shows more intimate venues and play music that people you know have never heard before and there's also that like f you know that that first time feeling of like showing my music so all of that is super exciting for me and it just kind of it keeps me grounded and focused and it's just nice to be able to experience both and hopefully just keep growing the project that way are you talking about big boy which was your debut ep was yeah. that like is that like the mark of you officially getting into music or do you mark the voice no i mark big boy as my, <laughs> as my um i mean the voice was like so I was 17 when I first, um, you know, auditioned for The Voice. Like I had never done anything professionally that was tied to music. Like I had been writing songs for a little bit and I had been singing forever. Like it was my passion, but I didn't really think it was necessarily like something that was possible for me to do. Um, Why not? I think because like... I come as you You're mentioned. You're gonna be a doctor. I mean, I yeah, that that was my in my mind. I was like, I'll be a, like, I'll follow my parents' footsteps. Like, I'll you know go to school forever and, and be a doctor. And but my heart was just not you know didn't want that. Obviously, I just didn't have like a reference of someone in my circle that was an artist. So to me, it was like, I don't know if that's like something that's possible. I don't know if I'm good enough for this. I don't know. Like, I didn't have any like reference as to what it took for me to become an artist and so it was kind of a, a bit of a coincidence that I even went to the audition um for the voice a friend of mine like the day of was like they're having there's like a first um edition of the voice that we're having in in Quebec and um you should audition and I had never auditioned for anything I was like oh I don't know and he was like he was just like you can do your homework later like just take like an hour and go audition it's just like a cool challenge that you can set for yourself and I was like okay like I'll take the challenge I'll just audition for something that's like super out of my comfort zone like I've never done this before and I auditioned and just like one thing led to another and I made it to the finals of that <laughs> first edition and I was like what the fuck is happening like and it was weird because I was like I had no expectations out of it I was just like wow like this is 
you know, a big TV set. This is kind of crazy. Okay, this is happening. And like every step of the way, I was like, oh, I made it to the next round and to the next round. And I was with all these people that were like putting all their hopes into the experience. And like, and I was just like, I'm just chilling. Like, this is so fun. Like, I don't, and so, but it's, it's also so like not representative of what a career in music is like. Like when you're on a show like that, it's like you sing a minute, a minute and a half in front of like millions of people that are watching you on TV and that's it. And then like people start talking about you. And then when you get off the show, that's when the real work starts because it's like, that's, you need to, it, you need to do everything starting, starting from there. And especially given the fact that sometimes you even start with a, a little bit of a, you know, people are a little oh. bit apprehensive of like, oh, this person was like on a, a few steps show. back, a few steps back. And in, in some ways, like I know that a part of my fan base discovered me on that show years ago, but you know, my entire fan base, I had to, you know, go conquer each and every person through like touring in like shitty little venues and bars and, you know, just doing the whole thing all over again. Like it, it wasn't something that, you know, I didn't get off the show and was like, okay, like I'm set for life. Like this is, it's just the real work started after. I'm, I'm rich now. I'm, I'm rich. I'm, I'm Canada famous. Yeah. <laughs> Are you happy you didn't win though? Cause they probably locked oh. you into those like awful contracts, right? I think about that every single day. Really? Like I swear it, like it haunts me. I have bad dreams about winning the show. Like people don't know, but it's true. It's like, it's the most horrible thing that can happen. I mean, I don't know how it is now, but contract wise, what happens is that you, before you're even on TV for the first time. So before that blind audition, they have everyone sign the exact same contract and the winner of the show is like tied to that contract. Ugh. But it's like knowing that, you know, I didn't know anything about like contracts and music and music labels. And you sign a contract that's like, it's the same for everyone. It's a cookie cutter contract. That's really not in favor of the artist. And you're just tied for four or five albums to like a music label. That's not necessarily the best label you could sign to. And it's just, I think about this every day. And like, as soon as you win, they want you to release an album like six yeah. months later because people are gonna forget you six months later. So it's like, you need to, so they have people write songs for you. Like I, I knew that I wanted to write my own songs, but it took me three years after the show to figure out what genre I wanted, to, you know, what I wanted to share with people. So it's just, yeah, I think about that all the time. And like, I thank God that I yeah. didn't win. For yeah. real. Yeah, it's really interesting. It, it, it did take you a while to release original music. It took me a long time. Yeah, I feel like I didn't, I didn't know myself at all as an artist when I was on that show. Like as 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 I mentioned, I was a teenager. Like I just loved singing, loved writing my own little love songs in my bedroom, and like. But when it comes to like you know being like oh I want to do this for a living, who am I as an artist? Like I feel like. 10 years in, I'm still like figuring it out. Like I'm still, you know, playing around with different genres and learning about myself every single day and learning about music. And so 10 years ago, I was like, I need, so after I got off the show, I like completely, I start, I traveled for a year. I like tried to live and just, you know, go on adventures and experience different things and figure out who I was as a person and as an artist in order to, you know, make music that was, 
going to be good and that I was going to like because I didn't I didn't know who I was as as an artist back then. So do you how many songs do you write before you feel comfortable releasing an EP? I that EP was um, that very first EP was kind of a compilation of the best songs that I had written my entire life. So I had a lot of up until that point up until, yeah, up until that point. Um, I think there was just like four or five songs on the EP, but, um, I, I had written a lot of songs, but a lot of them sucked. <laughs> and a lot of them were just like me playing around with different styles, trying to figure out what I liked. And, um, but I guess as I was writing more music and start, I started I started working with my producer Jason back then, and um, he also kind of helped me. We like played around together with different genres and figured out the path that I wanted to take. And um, yeah, I, I had written a lot of songs until you know I chose the ones I wanted on Big Boy. But um, yeah, it was kind of my my life's work up until the first EP. What parts of Big Boy do you take with you to Phoenix? Um, that's a really good question. To me, like, so it's funny because Big Boy to me is like um, an imaginary person that's a compilation of a lot of relationships that I've been in. And it's kind of this like entity that's like um, an imaginary concept, but that's also very rooted in like real things that I've experienced. And I go back to big boy when I write love songs all the time, this like person who's not really one person, but who's like a bit of this person mixed with this person. Big boy is like kind of like my helper when I write songs. Like, I feel like he's always kind of there. Um, that, if that makes no sense, but it's just like, I have this like an imaginary world that helps me write songs all the time. But the imaginary world is very fueled with like a lot of, you know, all of my relationships I've ever been in, everyone I've ever met, like everything I've experienced and big boy, which is like, it's obviously the name of the first song I've ever put out, but it's also a concept that I like to keep alive and I fuel big boy a little bit. And there's a song on my out on this upcoming album, 99 nights that's called way back. And when I wrote the song, I was thinking about this imaginary slash very real figure, Big Boy. So Big Boy is always kind of there. So that's <laughs> interesting. Like, is it like a sonic guide or like what? It's like a little bit of everything. Yes. So it's kind of a, a sonically Big Boy is like very um, stripped down, super simple, um, it's, it includes a little bit of like jazz influences, a little bit of electro, but as a theme, like as a, as an image, big boy is just kind of like, cause whenever I write a love song and I write a lot of my songs are love songs, it's not always about one person. You know, it's like, I think you can write about an emotion. You can write about a feeling and it can be very precise without it being exactly about one specific moment or one specific person. But I usually, I am talking to this figure, big boy, when I write love songs often, not in every single love song I've ever written, but I go back to this person that's build up, built out of little parts of different people I met. That's really interesting. <laughs> And how does that influence 99 Nights? 
I mean, it's not, it, it hasn't really influenced 99 Nights. Like, the, the big boy thing is kind of something I like to go back to sometimes. But I feel like I've evolved a lot ever since, you know, I put out that first song. So do you song. carry something just, from Phoenix to 99 Nights? A lot of, yes, a lot of different things. I feel like Phoenix was kind of my, it was a very therapeutic album i i like went back to old wounds and and addressed them and reopened them and and um kind of found it very liberating to go back to those and to write about the trauma um and there is a little bit of that same process in 99 nights but in a much healthier way where it's like for this album writing music was very much of a therapy, but because I used it in a very positive way, it wasn't like a, a, a sad process. It was very much of an uplifting one. And I think you can kind of hear that in the album. It's an album that's very bittersweet in a lot of ways because I wrote it at a time where I was going through a lot, but the moments that I was having in the studio were the best moments of that summer where we wrote the album. And that's why it's called 99 nights is because it's, it represents that summer. Um, but I guess, yeah, using music as a therapy is something that I've kind of always done in different ways. And I feel like I'm finally, or at least for this album, it was finally something that I was able to access in a, in a, in a positive way, like therapy that doesn't rip your heart out, but <laughs> therapy that just makes you feel good. Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of the, probably the one thing that I've carried, you know, every single time I've written a song from big boy to now and in this case therapy that like is yours but now will become everybody else's yes well hopefully um hopefully like i know that as like someone who loves listening to music um i'm able to identify certain emotions you know listening to other people sing about them and and sing about their stories so hopefully my music can do that for other people too yeah i want to talk about confetti uh, really great, really great record. Thank you. Where are you at when this record comes? I mean, it, yes, there's a TikTok star who's producing it, but like, it comes. Do you listen to the production first, or is it a story that you want to tell? Like, what comes first in that situation? Confetti actually came together very quickly, kind of like all at once. Um, we wrote that song in like a couple hours. It was like a very intuitive creative process i wrote it with uh, my friend lubalin who's an amazing songwriter we know lubalin yeah and he's a, a tiktok yeah, he's legend oh yeah cool I didn't that's know. really cool yeah I we wrote it we wrote that song in like a couple of, we're both like it's a song about like you know being an introvert at, at a party um which we both very much related to and so it kind of felt like we had been accumulating lyrics our entire life without really knowing and so it was just a very like easy spontaneous process like the lyrics just like were flowing when we wrote the song and the beat kind of just yeah how do you guys connect we connected through um jason my producer um who jason um owns a music label a, a record label in montreal and that's the first label i was signed to called nation and lubalin is also signed to that label so cool. that we were connected through jason but lubalin actually wrote the chorus for the song phoenix and that's the first time that i was introduced to his music that was way before he blew up yeah. on tiktok jason was like 
this guy I'm about to sign is a fucking amazing songwriter. And he's like, listen to this. And it was the Phoenix chorus. And I like, my eyes watered and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so beautiful. And I was like, I wonder if he would be down for me to, you know, just like take that chorus and write the rest of the song. And he was super open to it. And so we kind of, that's that was our first Sweet. collaboration. But Lubalin co-wrote almost the entire um second album with me a 99 nights he's like implicated on almost all of the songs he's a really good producer a songwriter yeah so you also took like the best collaborators from the last album and yes. you brought them with you yeah well i mean this album was really made with my like little montreal circle um of like close friends and i feel like you can kind of hear that it's a it's a playful album that i made with people that i love and who i'm very close to um and what happened is like the first phase of the creative process was with my with my close friends in montreal so like jason lubelin my bassist matt who's also who has produced a few things on the album as well and then we the second phase of the album was like okay let's like elevate these songs and take them to like other producers that we've wanted to work with for a long time. And let's just like have like a, a fresh perspective on songs we've been working on for a long time. And so um, we worked with producers in London and LA and Toronto and kind of um, finished the demos and wrote a couple more songs for the album um, to kind of like package it and finish it. But how do you yeah. know it's done? You never know it's done. You if It never feels like it's done. I just have to like, I have to talk to myself and be like, okay, like it's time to let go or else it's just never done in my, in my case. Is this the most pressure filled release you've ever had? Not really. Like people have been asking that a lot. I think because probably because Phoenix was, you know, w well received and, 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 you know, but I, I, um, I don't know. I don't feel that way. I feel like, you know, this is, this album for me is like a diary of a, of a summer of a very specific moment in time um and i'm just excited to share the songs with people and hopefully some people will feel good listening to it will feel all kinds of emotions and relate to the stories and yeah i don't feel that kind of pr i mean of course i would love for people to love the album <laughs> but um no i don't feel that kind of, i feel like it's more exciting the fact that the first album had some kind of of success and and a lot of people discovered my music through that first album um it's just exciting for the next steps and hopefully they like the second one. Does, uh, is, is daddy's a psycho and daddy, do those songs have anything in common? Or no. Are they just, you just like the word daddy? <laughs> I just like the word daddy. Okay. Yeah. The, the da <laughs> daddy, the, the song on Phoenix is like daddy in kind of a sexy way. Whereas daddy's a psycho is like father figure daddy, you know, it's just two different daddies. Interesting. Yeah. Who's daddy and daddy's a psycho. Is that your daddy? It's like weird saying daddy so many times. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a mix of, um, yeah, a part of it is influenced by my dad. A part of it is influenced by um, the f dads of the other people I wrote the song with. Um, we all kind of bonded over very personal things writing the song. And it's, you know, there's a lot of storytelling involved in, in songwriting as well. So it's not all about personal things. But yes, it, it was somewhat influenced by my relationship with my dad um we have a really good relationship overall my dad is great but um it's 
a complicated relationship in a lot of ways as well. So some parts of the song were definitely inspired by our relationship and some were not. And then some were also influenced by, um, yeah, other people's relationships with their dads that helped me write the song. Is this album really like a collection of everybody you wrote it with? Because I heard you on another interview say like, we released the first album this year and then we're, it's like, so it's not you, it's we. Yeah, it always feels like it's, it's we. I mean, especially this album. Um, you know, like my first EPs, I wrote everything by myself. I was very much like, I don't want to, you know, I want my songwriting to be like just me. I needed to figure out as well, like what I wanted to say as an artist. So I think it was really important for me in those first projects to just, you know, tell those stories from my perspective. And, and that process got very lonely after a certain, and after a moment. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's just, I felt like I could learn a lot about working with really good songwriters. And, and there was something where I didn't feel threatened as an artist anymore, working with other, per, other people because I knew who I was as an artist or I knew a little bit more who I was as an artist. Um, and so that voice didn't feel threatened by having other people add to the, the storytelling. Uh, but especially this album, it was made with my friends in Montreal, um, and with, you know, other people afterwards, but it was, it feels like a collective process. You know, I'm very implicated in, in the songwriting always. I love songwriting. And obviously those stories are told from my perspective, like they're my stories and they're, but it feels like a collective project in a lot of ways, because I do surround myself with really important collaborators that, you know, help me be playful with sounds and, and instruments and lyrics and just, take my music to in in different directions and yeah it does feel like that there's something like if it's not broken like why would you fix it but also you get to be vulnerable and grow with these people so it shows new creative sides absolutely and i feel like i've never been as vulnerable in my music as i have been since i started songwriting with people who are close to me because i feel like i would like uh probably like censor myself a little bit more when i was or like gaslight myself when I was writing alone and be like, Oh, I'm not going to talk about this. But when you're in a room with two of your closest friends and they're like, why did you say that? Or like, <laughs> why did you feel that way? There's no like lying to yourself anymore. It's just like a conversation. And then it's like, Oh, well it, it, it brings out certain things that you probably wouldn't have thought of if you were just by yourself writing music. So it, it, it does feel like my music has never been as personal as it is yeah, as, as it has been since I've been collaborating with people. What, how much of these songs, I mean, is everybody in all of them? Obviously, yes. But how much life do you have to live to really get a whole album? Or do you really <laughs> just rely on everybody and you take that and like take moments from your story and milk? Um, I, I think, well, I mean, there between the first album and the second album, there's a good two and a half years. And I kind of went through a lot the on most. my end. Yeah. So I, I feel like I had a lot to say when I, and I, maybe at some point I'll be like, I need to write an album and I don't really know what I want to talk about. So, but it, it hasn't happened to me yet. Do you like, only start when you're ready to, when you know you want to, what you want to talk about? Unfortunately not. I have to start when like I, I'm not touring and when it's like the right moment, there is a little bit of like logistics implicated in like writing an album, but it, but f 
there is also like a part of like, okay, I'm feeling inspired now. I think it would be the right time to start writing an <coughs> album, but it's something that we need to like book in advance yeah. and to like plan in the calendar. So it feels, um, but yeah, I feel like definitely writing with other people also helps you, you know, the, the, the ideas kind of flow a little bit easier because you can also feed off someone else's energy and someone else's story. Like, you know, how many times have you heard a song from an artist and it wasn't your story, but you felt like it was like it was yours. And that's the same when you talk to someone and you relate to what they're saying and it reminds you of something that you've experienced. And so I, you know, I've, yeah, I feel like co-writing helps you. Um, yeah. Come up with all these different ideas and, and, and write about more stuff and you don't need to have like five lives to no. have stuff to talk about. No, you just have to be empathetic. I think you just have to be empathetic. That's true. And I feel like most of my songs, especially on this album, started with like trying to encapsulate a feeling rather than like, I will tell a story about this, you know, event that happened. It's like my only goal with this album was to like encapsulate the present moment in the studio. I was feeling all sorts of ways that summer and I was like, I'm using those moments for me and I want to use this as a diary and like encapsulate how I'm feeling right now with my friends in the studio and how does that feeling come across through music like how do we encapsulate that in a sound or in a lyric and the sp most sparks of of the songs starting started that way just as a, a feeling and just trying to embrace the present moment and to jam and to just be a little bit more spontaneous creative creatively does next to you fall into the category of what you just described next to you is the only one that really doesn't fall into that category <laughs> so that's you kind of nailed that question yeah next to you um was like the opposite um is a song that took it took me like six or seven months to write that song um and not like a six months of, of like you know, writing it once in a while and then like, you know, taking it out of the drawer three months later. It was like six months of meeting up with, I wrote this song with my friend Patrick Watson, who's a fucking musical genius. He's an incredible songwriter. Um, and we would meet at his studio every like week or two and really work on the song. And um, it took us six months to write the song for many reasons, but it was kind of, a song that grew chronologically as I was living things in my real life. And I would like bring those little things to the studio. And it was like, Oh, I, I had an idea of like a line because like this happened at the time I was, um, realizing that I had to move out of Montreal. I moved to Paris seven months ago, eight months ago because I needed new inspiration and because of a lot of different reasons. But when we wrote the song, I was going through that like big decision where I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here for a lot of reasons, even though I love this place. And that song is kind of a love letter to my hometown where it's like, I can't be what I want to be if I'm next to you um, all the time. Yeah. Like I need to grow. I want to be better. I want to be new, but I can't be those things next to you. Yeah. And it kind of, it's a song that it sounds like I'm talking to someone, but when we wrote it, it was really about me leaving my hometown and um, yeah, I was in the, the process of making that decision as we were writing the songs. It was like, 
it kind of, the song evolved chronologically over six months and we would come up with little ideas of lyrics. And so that was like a completely different process, but it's the last song that we wrote yeah. for the album. Is that why it's the last song on the album? And that's why it's the last song on the album as well. And it feels a little bit different. Like it's the only ballad on the album. Um, sonically, it's a little bit different too. Like it's, you know, more piano based, whereas the other songs are much more like guitar sounds and um, that one is kind of a little thing on its own, but I felt like it really closed or, or ended that chapter in a, in a really beautiful way. So I, I wanted that one to be the last one on the album. Um, but it was a completely, completely different process. So I'm <laughs> glad you pointed that out. <laughs> Jim Carrey being inspired by mm. his speech on ego. Yeah. His, uh, yeah. When, when you talk to like graduates, it's pretty cool. Yes. I mean, his speeches and he's yeah. done like many interviews and talks and speeches about um, how our ego is, is basically the, you know, the one thing that's holding us back from um, embracing our true selves and achieving our goals. Um, and when I started writing the album, um, as I mentioned, I was kind of struggling with all these different things. And I got to the studio one day and my producer, Jason was like, we should write a song about the ego. He's like, it's so fascinating how like, that's the, you know, the one thing that's really holding us back. And we started talking about that and I was like, yeah, I fuck with that idea. Let's, let's write a song about the ego. And then, so we started, we came up with a goodbye, my worthless ego line. And it's just like, okay, getting rid of you and trying to like embrace myself, you know, and all my imperfections and whatnot and so um we finished that day in the studio and jason was like you should watch jim carrey inspirational speeches and i was like i was kind of familiar with like jim carrey being like an inspirational figure but i had never like fallen deep into the jim carrey vortex like i loved him and was a huge fan of his comedy and his you know acting and and everything else but i didn't know him as an inspirational figure and um that night i went home and i just like you know, combed through every single interview um, Jim Carrey had done about the ego. And I was like, I resonated with everything he was saying to such a, to the craziest level. And I was like, wow, like this is speaking to me in so many ways. Um, and so the next day we got to the studio and we were like, let's like write a song where I fall in love with Jim Carrey and he <laughs> frees me from my ego and he's like basically my life guru. And so it's like a super playful song, but it actually came from like a very important theme and a very important place, but we kind of made it into like a playful, quirky, tongue in cheek situation. Great record. And he heard it. So you should listen yeah. to it. It's waiting for you on 99 nights. Uh, all the songs available, Amazon music, every song that Charlotte's put out. Well, the ones that are public. Uh, available for you on Amazon Music. What are you thinking? Somebody first. Is that a love song or what is that? Breakup song? It's a or breakup song. Breakup song. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd that one come from? Somebody first. It's funny. It's the first song I've ever written with my boyfriend, um, oh. who's also a songwriter. Sick. Yeah. So that's um, and it's yeah, it's it's funny because we wrote it at a time where like. We were kind of like potentially breaking up and like it was just like a really weird time for us. Uh, we had been in a long distance relationship for years and we were at like a crossroads and that was kind of the summer I was telling you about. That was one of the things that was not going so well and th that's when we wrote the song and so it's a song about seeing your ex at a party 
and and like being secretly really jealous of them potentially hooking up with someone else but like truly knowing that you actually don't really give a fuck but it's just like holding on to that like once again that ego that doesn't want you to that doesn't want you to have your see your ex hook up with someone else and <coughs> so it was a very weird thing for us to write about like yeah. <laughs> imaginary <laughs> I break so. i was like the most <laughs> passive or i don't know it's so weird um but it was actually you know now looking back i'm like and we're still together we made it through the wow. waves well does like writing that song at that time help you guys or what bring you closer not really i <laughs> think it's just like, not really it just um we just happened to write a song about that but it's interesting i don't think we were realizing what we were writing about it was just like it started off mm. as like a vibe and then like oh this is a cool idea and but now looking back i'm like oof that was weird yeah, who <laughs> but, comes up with that idea and pitches it to the other person it, so to be fair it wasn't just the two of us in the okay. room writing the song so it was there was jason there um so it was kind of like you know talking about different experiences and it came together in a very like natural way but still i'm kind yeah. of like um but you know it's it was a process where like we wrote the chorus or like a part of the chorus that day with my boyfriend and then um we wrote the verses later on with lubalin a few days later like it was kind of a a process where a lot of people came in mm -hmm. and so it's not a song that's really truly about like us imagining our breakup yeah. it just happened to be written in a time where it was definitely a you know weird timing to write a song like that but you know <laughs> do you enjoy working creatively like that with somebody you're also romantically involved with it was my first like we've been together for seven years oh, wow. and that was our first time writing music together so it's not something we've done many times and he, 